0: If you'll turn to First John chapter three. 1 John chapter three. In introducing uh, the Epistle of First John several months ago, I um, mentioned that many of those who have written commentaries describe this as a spiral, in the sense that Paul is very detailed and orderly in his arguments, and John will state something, come back around, and then several verses later, come back around again, just to make sure that we understand. And in this case, we're really seeing this in chapter 3 of the spiral around and coming back to a theme, just to hammer it home. And as God uses John, the writer, uh, to help us understand what God's doing, we see the great work of God here. And we see that John is answering questions. John's answering certain questions that are going on in the life of the church to whom he is writing. And so he has answers for questions. Uh, Do you ever have questions? No, you're not. You're so smart and brilliant. Um, We do have questions, don't we? We have questions that kind of worry us, that kind of bother us, that kind of hang on the periphery of our minds, and I wonder about this, or I wonder about that. As we think about spiritual matters, we have these questions. I've had them, and I'm sure you have them, Maybe it's a question of, am I really a child of God? Is it, is it really that, I'm, that I am a child of God? Or, uh, man, my heart condemns me, accuses me sometimes, that Satan in my heart will often say to me, you really possibly can't be a child of God because look what you did, and we'll fill in the blank there for us. And so that question kind of hangs in the back of our mind. Or, or how could God love you because of what you've done? You fail so much. And so we have those questions that linger. You don't love others enough. How can you, especially in this passage, be a child of God? Those questions can sometimes haunt the believer. And this morning, I've entitled the message today, this of answers and assurance. Answers and assurance. We're going to begin in verse 18. That's the last verse we read um, before uh, of, the, of last week. And as we're going to continue through this, we're going to see the answers. And I've kind of I'm going to divvy this up for you, and I'm going to give you three questions, a command, and two declarations, all right? That's the best way I could fill out to outline it. So hopefully that will help you understand what John's going, what he's presenting here. Let's read this together. He says, little children, verse 18, little children, let us not love in word or with tongue, but in deed and in truth. We will know by this that we are of the truth. And we'll assure our hearts before him that in whatever our heart condemns us, for God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And whatever we ask, we receive of him or from him because he keeps his commandments and and, uh, because we keep his commandments and do the things that are pleasing in his sight. This is his commandment, that we believe in the name of, of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he commanded us. The one who keeps his commandments abides in him, and he in him. We know by this that he abides in us by the Spirit whom he has given us. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word this morning. And let's bow in prayer and ask God to help us understand. Gracious God, we are moved by your love, as we have already read in the very first chapter verse of chapter 3. We stand in awe of a God who would love us, we who, if we're honest with with ourselves, who are wretches and who are in in rebellion against you so often in our lives. But yet, as we were in rebellion, you sent your Son, Jesus Christ, to die upon the cross, to provide a way to be in fellowship with you. And so, God, Father, we thank you for the love of Christ. We thank you for your love. And so now, by the power of the Holy Spirit, would you work in our hearts to make those things connect to the points where we have questions and make us understand just your love, your power, your might, and so may we live Persuaded by your love and assurance, lives that would bring glory to you. That people would say, he, she, is a child of God. So God, meet with us today. Do a work Lord, that my feeble words cannot do for your glory. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. So questions. Three questions. A command, two declarations that we may know that we are God's child. The first question is: I was reading, I was thinking about this, and it came to my mind this question. How do I know that I am of the truth? You look at verse 19. He says, and we will, uh, will know by this that we are of the truth. Okay, so how do we know that we are of the truth? Well, you kind of have to go back. And, uh, look at verse 7. Verse 7 tells us this. 7 tells us that by practicing righteousness, we know we're a child of God. We're of or out of or from the truth. So we understand in verse 7, he's already laid out one of the things that we can know, that we are practicing righteousness. But John's not done. That's not the only marker or evidence that we are of the truth. He has something else. And we find the beginning in verse 18 again. Verse 18 comes back to us as little children, let us not love in word or uh, tongue, giving lip service. Hey, I love you. Yeah, I love you, man. Uh, and, and go on and pass by. But in what? Indeed, that's action. That's action to, to words. And in truth, in, in true trueness, truthiness, how's that? Uh, in trueness, uh, loving in word and true love. And is as the King James writes for us or translates for us here, um, the the word and should be there. And we will know by this. Watch the this. Well, the this is verse 18, that last phrase of this verse 18, that we love indeed and in truth, by that, by this, we will assured that we are of the truth, and will assure our heart before him, before God, that we are of the truth. Do you understand that the answer to the question, am I really a child of God or of the truth, is that we can find out not only if we're practicing righteousness ongoing, that's kind of the trajectory of our life, but that we love other believers indeed and in truth. And we're going to see here, sometimes our heart condemns us or accuses us of us, but uh, of not loving in such a way, but we can understand that if our heart... We may not not always obediently act on it, but our heart has that love for others, and and, and it, as if our heart reaches out to them, that is a sign that God is working in our heart. This is not just a mere compassion. Oh, I I like people. I want to help save the puppies or the whales or whatever. It is it is a genuine love and care for people, indeed and in truth, that causes it. This is not something I, you and I, can work up. This is. This is supernatural. This is doing a work that, well, I don't think I like that person because they're, no, that's, that's overcoming that natural resistance to not like a person or to liking a person because maybe they've done something to us. It's overcoming this and we will know that we are a child of God. The answer to the first question is if we see this in our lives, if we see this truth and this a true love and love indeed. That we will know. And so the question is, do I see that in my life? The answer to question one, how do I know, am I I really a child of God, is do I see a love, does my heart reach out and love other believers? And do I act upon it? Do I do things to to follow up on that love? Is it true love? And by this we know. So here, the the, the two things there to, to... to give your slides a bottom line, there, practicing righteousness, loving indeed in deed and truth. Let's go back to nineteen. And we will know by this that we are of the truth, and will assure our hearts before Him in whatever our heart condemns us. So look at the second thing that in this phrase, as John is wrapping this around, we know by this loving indeed in deed and word and truth, we will know by this we are of the truth, and will assure our hearts before Him in whatever our heart condemns us. So remember. We added, later on, people added uh, verse numbers there. So 20, you don't have a hard break after 19 into 20. That continues the thought. You will assure our hearts before him, and whatever our heart condemns us, break. So the second question sometimes that comes our way is this. um, What if my heart condemns or seems to accuse me of not being God's child? Or maybe it's just that I'm not a very good one. Sorry, I had a run-on sentences or something, I don't know. Um, <laughs> I thought it was harder than one, one single question. What if my heart seems... Have you ever been there? Maybe you say, I know there was a time when I, I trusted Christ. I know there was a time when I, I received him as my Savior. Boy, man, the heart seems to... You're not doing a very good job of it. Maybe you're not... A child of God, but I, but I know that I've received Christ as my Savior. And so, what he's saying is, you can have assurance even when your heart condemns you because God is greater. Later on, we'll see in the next verse because God is greater, you have this assurance of, of whatever our heart may because of what we see in the life. See, these are not, we are not saved because of these things, these are evidences of our salvation. Remember when James said, um, talking about works, he said, I will show you, I will demonstrate my works, or my faith by my works. I will live out my salvation. People were saying, oh, I've got faith, I have faith, and there wasn't any change, or wasn't anything going on. They weren't, let's put it in our context, loving or doing anything like that. He says, I will show you my faith, my trust in Christ. How? By how I live it out. And this is what John is saying. You can tell by... But even when your heart condemns us, that the Word of God, listen to the Word of God in your heart, and the Word of God says, if you're practicing, you continue to practice righteousness, that ongoing. And if you are ongoing, loving, and, and you are, are demonstrating love, that even when we sin, remember first, uh, the chapter of John 1, 9? We sin, and we do sin. Don't deceive yourself. Confess our sins. And He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And when our heart condemns us and says, You're not a very good Christian, why don't you give up? Because that's what Christ, the devil wants us to do. And he wants us to forget Christ, to give up, to be discouraged. See, if the devil can't get us in really gross sin and ruin us. He wants to discourage us from following Christ. Just to sit there and coast along and no active participation in the work that God's trying to do in, in my heart, in your heart. And here it is. Our heart can, can, condemns us or accuses us. God is greater. His greatness is revealed in salvation. This great God. And if He has brought us to Himself, we trust Him because He is greater. His word. For God is greater in our heart and He knows all things. And God says that the evidence of that you are a child of mine will be that you love indeed and, and in the truth. Now, remember the context first John, he's writing to a people who've been really confused by what we would call false teachers. They've been very confused because they've said, well, uh, first thing he dealt with, Jesus is not the Christ, and he'll come back to it later on. And he said, no, Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. Next thing, that they said, oh, you don't have to to once you're saved, because matter is divided from spirit, as long as you're saved in your spirit, it doesn't matter what you do down here. You don't have to practice righteousness. You don't have to do all that because it doesn't matter. You're good. And, and it, kind of dividing this this idea of uh, instead of being one in Christ, uh, the whole person. And so he, he he's, he's combating this, and so he's giving assurance. He said all the negative things of what this is not what, is right of what they're teaching. But now he's giving assurance. So when you do sin, you have righteousness, confession, and and forgiveness with Christ. And when you do sin, don't let your heart condemn you so that you stop living for him because God is greater than your heart. His proofs, his evidence that he requires is what you hang on to. He continues in verse 21. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And so if our heart doesn't condemn us. We have confidence. If we understand, we listen to God's word. You know, I, I find it amusing and somewhat disturbing when people say, I'm just going to follow my heart. Okay? Like that's a good idea. I'm just going to follow my heart. I'm going to do those and just follow, because my heart doesn't lie. It's just my true self. And Jeremiah has something to say about it, doesn't he? Yeah. The heart is deceitful and wicked Um, all else is desperately sick he says who could understand it and then God says here I the Lord search the heart I search the mind I test the mind even to give to each man according to his deeds according to the results of his ways according to the results of his deeds we cannot trust our hearts can we sometimes they'll lead us astray and uh, for, for pleasure's sake sometimes they'll lead us astray by saying man God really didn't mean that did he Sometimes I'll lead us astray and accuse us. You certainly can't be a Christian because, man, you failed again. He says, the evidence are in God's Word. If you live out those evidences, you're a child of God. So he's building assurance and a level of confidence because he's, he, he wants us underst- to understand what our salvation has brought us and gives us because he's going to move to this next, next question that we have And this next question is, since I'm a child of God, if I am, and since I am a child of God, why doesn't it seem like my prayers? So, understanding verse 21, the confidence we have of God, why doesn't it seem like my prayers are answered? Well, 21, Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence with God. For what? And whatever we ask, we receive from Him, because we keep His commandments and do the things that are pleasing in His sight. Why isn't it that my prayers are answered? Why why, is it, why does it seem that I pray and the winds of heaven are, are just closed to me? Sometimes we don't pray in faith. Confidence that God will answer. Now, without going through the, the whole... Um, and we're work, and by the way, we're working on this on Sunday nights, by the way. So come back tonight. We'll get part of this. Without going through the whole understanding of, of prayer, we obviously pray in God's will as His children. He hears us. We pray for his glory to be made known. And so as we pray, as he desires us to pray, he gives us here. So we have the confidence that whatever we ask and pray, he gives us because of what? The keeping and the doing. Keeping. Remember, uh, the practicing of righteousness was a verb, tense as ongoing. Same here. The keeping, as we continue to keep his commandments, and as we continue to do the things that are pleasing to God... He says, whatever we ask, we receive from Him. It's a wonderful thing that when we pray in God's will for His glory, as we are in this promise, the confidence of God that we are keeping God's commandments, and we're pleasing His sights, He will give our requests. That's for super Christians, Stacey. That's for those who have been saved like, you know, 50, 60 years, and then finally. Those are for people who we just have a special measure of of grace we have confidence if we pray as we pray now yeah let's think about this if i'm praying for selfish stuff and i'm not praying for god's glory to be done i'm not and i'm not praying for his kingdom to be known in this world that's not part of this is it it's not part of what he said or if I'm living the way I want to, I'm not practicing righteousness. I'm not keeping God's commandments, His instructions. I'm not talking about just the Ten Commandments, but just what God has revealed to us. If I'm not doing that, if I'm not living to please Him, if I'm living, living to—easier living to, for you to say—if I'm leave, living to please myself, it negates the promise, doesn't it? It is not that we have to be perfectly doing all of these things to get our prayers answered. It is that we have the desire and the continuing ongoing of desiring and fulfilling, doing by God's grace to keep God's commandments and to please Him. And our prayers will be such that He will joy, rejoice in answering. Very recently, several things that we have been praying for as a church have come to pass. Uh, we got a, um, a realm. <laughs> That's a plug for realm. A realm of, uh, message from Catherine. They were in Chile. The, they couldn't release the meds. And it came to our, our, our uh, grace group Wednesday night. And so we prayed very specifically that on Thursday, the next day, that God would release the medicines as they're doing a, a medical clinic for outreach to the gospel. It was in pleasing to his sight as in his will. And God answered, not Friday, but Thursday. Here's here's the thing. Our prayers are weak because our lives are weak often. And we're not praying in his will. We're not praying for his glory to be we're not pleasing in His sight. But when we are, God joys in answering prayer. See, sometimes we have prayed, and I have prayed, let's put, it, let's put it personal here. I have prayed for my own selfish things. God didn't answer, and I think, well, God doesn't answer prayers. And you obviously can see the wrong-headed thinking of that but haven't you done that also? Well, I I prayed for something I wanted, and I, sure, it should be God's will for me, right? Because I wanted it. And I didn't get the answer, so I doubt God. No. The confidence is is in God. The question is not, why didn't God answer my prayer? The question is, are my prayers pleasing to God? Am I living in such a way that glorifies God? Am I praying for his glory, his will to be done. If I am, he will answer the prayer. He may not always answer it in the time that I want, but he will answer that prayer. He delayed in situations there in Chile. He delayed for that. He had his reasons that we do not know. His ways are higher than ours. But there is no reason for us, either by delay or unanswered prayer, to stop praying. The question comes, why does it seem that God answered my prayer? The answer is, if you're pleasing your sight, keeping His commandments, keep on praying. Pray for His glory, His will to be done in situation, and keep on praying, and beseech Him. Um, I was reminded this week, um, I think I was listening to a podcast, Uh, but it was the, uh, yeah, it was a podcast on mentoring. <laughs> and uh, it was talking about Jesus as he sends out his, uh, sorry, not on the notes. Uh, as he sends out his disciples, they, they come back and they say, there's this guy, we tried to heal him of this demon and we couldn't do it. What's wrong with us? And Jesus says, some things don't come but by prayer and fasting. Like, it's not like carte blanche, I want you to pray and earnestly beseech. And some things that we have in our lives do take time, but we, he wants us to continue to ask. But there is no reason to give up praying and to stop praying, it is to check when we following God and then continuing to please him and to continue to prayer. Keep obeying, do what is pleasing. Verse 23. This is his commandment that we believe in the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as He commands. A command. Number one, believe in Jesus Christ. You know, as the gospel writers and the epistles talk about believing in the name of Jesus Christ, they are speaking of believing in the person of Jesus Christ. So they're having us understand that it is placing our faith Uh, That was Peter as he preached on the day of Pentecost. Believe the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. It's, It's Paul writing to the Ephesians. And he says to us, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. We're saved through faith. The believer places his faith. So the commandment is, trust Christ. Believe, have faith in Jesus. And secondly, love one another. And here's where Paul of uh, John brings the spiral back around again from the previous verses from 16, 17, 18. He brings it again, this commandment, believe in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and love one another just as he has commanded us. To believe and to love. To believe and to love of this. To understand what he's saying to us. He said, I'm placing this at very high place. Yes, believe in Christ, but listen to his commands of loving one another. Again, practicing righteousness, loving one another, evidence of salvation, a command of God. And so he gives this to us in in a great way to love one another. And it is only Jesus that produces love of a believer for another believer. That's a remarkable thing about when God has saved us. As he bought us, he has changed our heart to once. We are predisposed to hate. We are predisposed to protect our own and and fend off everyone else. And now we open our hearts and lives to others because of his love. We have received love. We reciprocate love for one another. There's no wiggle room. He hammers it home again. Love one another. If God has done a work in your heart... If he's done this work in your heart, you will love one another. And he continues, follows that with verse 24. And in verse 24, it says, The one who keeps ongoing his commandments, abides ongoing, dwells in him, and he in him. And we know by this that he abides uh, in us, by the Spirit whom he has given. So the declaration number one, declaration number one is abiding in the evidence, is evidence that we are keeping uh, by keeping God's commandments, we're a, evidence of abiding. It's interesting as we look at our lives in connection to what God has for us, of His Word. We are, we are invited to come into a relationship with God the Father through Jesus. And, and what He gives, it's, it's an abiding of a family relationship. It's, in, it's dwelling in the sphere of God through salvation. He's ushered us into that relationship and family relationship. And with abiding in Him and loving Him, there are things that are part of our lives. It's not that we keep God's commandments so that we might abide. It's as we are abiding, we keep God's commandments. It is a natural Reflex. My next physical is tomorrow. I'm, I'm going to see if I, he makes me cross my legs and he does a little thing and see if I, I'm still alive. Like, as he knocks my knee and hopefully the reflex action will, will work there. Silly illustration, but that is kind of the, the reflex action of a believer... When they abide in Christ is the keeping of the commandments. And so we have this declaration. Yes, you are God's child. Yes, you are his. And so the one that keeps on going abides in him. And he in him, God in this one. And again, John points to, because of the love of God, verse 1 of chapter 3, the love of God that he's bestowed upon us, we have this abiding relationship, if indeed we are his children, with God. The marvel of that results in keeping God's commandments. It's part of our life. Doing the previous verse what is pleasing. And notice that we aren't just abiding in the sphere of God, but God is indwelling and abiding in us. That abiding presence of God in us. To comfort, to guide, to yes, sometimes to convict. God does the work. And there's a relationship. We are His. Of the old hymn, I am His and He is mine. Love with everlasting love. Love by grace that love to know. Spirit, uh, bringing from from above, Thou hast taught me, it is so. The next declaration. Abiding is evidenced by the presence of the Holy Spirit. Paul writes in Ephesians 1, he writes of the seal of the Holy Spirit upon the life that is God's. The child of God has the evidence of the Holy Spirit indwelling in his heart and life and that, that seal or the stamp of ownership of approval on the life by the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is that stamp. So here we see this in verse 24. The one who keeps the commandments abides in him and he in him. And we know by this that he abides in us. By the Spirit, whom He has given us, the Holy Spirit lives in the heart of every believer. There is a comfort. It's hard to understand if if you're not um, if you're not a child of God. It's kind of an unusual thing to think that. God, infinite, personal relationship with the human, sinful, fallen, wretched, indwelling, day-to-day, moment-by-moment, care, concern, love. We often lose sight of the work of the Holy Spirit in our hearts and lives. Unfortunately, he's is the, uh, the third person of the Trinity we often don't think about or consider. And while we do not have, in God's Word, commands to pray to the Holy Spirit, we pray through Christ to the Father. Occasionally we pray to Jesus. The work of the Holy Spirit is strong in the life of the believer who permits it. The one in Galatians of Paul writes, he says, be led by the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit, by the Spirit. And the communion that we have with God, the Holy Spirit in our hearts and lives, is that that guiding and comforting and directing and peace-giving and yes, the urging to love indeed and in truth. And yes, the reminder and the, the aid and the grace to keep God's commandments and to do what is pleasing in the heart and life. And this is the work that God has done. He has not left us on earth to the time the point in which we die and go to heaven alone. He's not left us alone. He has provided the indwelling power and strength of, of God, holy the Holy Spirit, in our hearts and lives, so that we might live in such a way might have the power to do as he desires. See, inherent in every command that God gives us is the grace and the strength to perform that command. Understand that? God did not, does not ever ask you anything, ask anything of you as a Christian, but he does not give you the strength and the grace and the power to do. Often, it does not seem as if we can do it, and we cannot do it on our own. But by the Spirit, we can. And so John is writing all this, and as he he swirls around these issues, as he, he works through this, as we see the work that, that God has, has done in our hearts and lives, he wraps up this section, because chapter 4, he's going to deal with a few other things here, but he wraps it up to under, for us to understand that the one who is in Jesus has certain assurances. This one who is in Jesus has confidence and evidences in our, our lives to show that we are his. We have the assurance that as we love indeed in a truth, that we are indeed God's child. We have the assurance that even if our heart condemns us, our great, great God, by His Word, shows us His evidence of Him being in us. Even when we fail, we have opportunity to confess and receive forgiveness. And we have the confidence that as we ask anything in His name, as we are pleased doing what is pleasing and keeping His commandments, He will answer. He, we will receive of Him. And so the child of God who has placed his or her heart and faith in Jesus, that heart has been cleansed, regenerated, filled with the Holy Spirit, and has the capacity to love, a supernatural capacity to love. So what about you? Have you placed your faith in Jesus? The beautiful thing, if you're here this morning and you have not placed your faith in Jesus, that all around you are people just like you, who have who were once full of doubt, once were slaves to their own desires, and one day they placed their faith in Jesus. They received of him rest and peace. He rescued them from the chains that were binding them. This morning, I invite you to surrender to Jesus. That he become your savior. Believers, simple question for us is that do we love other believers Well, say say I don't hate them that's not what God asked do you love them the command didn't say do not hate one another and some of us have not had peace in our spirits for some time because we're secretly harboring something bothered about something a brother and sister in Christ has done or said or something we perceived. You know, it starts at home. It starts at home. In the home, husbands love your wife. Husbands, when was the last time you gave yourself up for her as Christ gave himself up for the church? Oh, and by the way, if you have kids, men, they see how you love. Wives, you're harboring resentment toward your husband's. How about children toward parents? Parents toward children. How about across the body of Christ, harboring resentment or ill will against someone? And God commands love. God commands love. And God is serious about this. It's easy to put it off a side. I'm upset and uh, I just kind of put it down and... If you find yourself t- thinking about it a week from the incident, you need to deal with it. If it's something that, that uh, someone says something and you say, I am not offended by that, I'm not bothered by that, and you truly aren't, you don't think of it, you've forgotten it, okay. You might want to check up to see if they have something against you and say, hey, brother, sister, what's going on? I love you. There's something we need to take care of. But if you're recalling these things and you're holding on to these things, make it right. Make it right. The vantage point as a as a pastor is that you see those who refuse to make it right, and you take warning for yourself because you see the lack of peace in a life that is not reconciled with a brother or sister. This morning the Holy Spirit calls you if you are his child to reconcile. And not only reconcile and get on nodding terms, or as I like to say, to be able to say hi to them in the grocery store, but on loving terms. So there, again, is a surrendering of the heart and life to Christ. Because he has given us great assurance. He has given us his word. He has given us confidence in prayer. He has given us abiding relationship with Him. And so here are the final verses of chapter 3, that when you do know the joy of God in your life, the joy of knowing Him, you'll know the joy of life and love and the body also. How do you answer those questions? You follow the command. Do you have joy in knowing? Both God. And your fellow believers let's bow. Gracious God. In the quietness of our time, we need your understanding, of the Holy Spirit to guide our lives. Oh God, I pray that you would, in the stillness of our time, would you do what no one else here can do, and place your finger on the places in our lives that we need to reconcile. And Father, if there is one here who is discouraged in you and discouraged in their Christian life, maybe doesn't have the confidence in the devil in their hearts are accusing them, may they see the joy and the freedom of confidence of knowing you are right and living in you. May they know the joy and confidence of, of assurance of their salvation an assurance that you love them and that you care for them. You desire an ongoing, continuing relationship with them. So God, would you do a work in our hearts? In Christ's name, amen.